Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom. On this show, we bring you badass real estate investing goddesses, women that are crushing it in the real estate investing game. And today's guest is certainly no exception. I'm so excited <laughs> to introduce you to Vina Jetty, who is the founding partner of Enzo Multifamily. She has over 10 years of real estate investing experience, including overseeing management of more than one billion with a B <laughs> real estate assets. In 2017, her company acquired over $200 million in multifamily assets. And her experience includes driving corporate growth strategy, asset management, and business development derived from working for multiple Fortune 500 companies. This is awesome. And I'm so excited that she's here. Welcome. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Thanks for coming. So you have an incredible amount of experience, right? It's like huge, huge <laughs> properties, huge numbers. Oh. <laughs> it started in real estate investing. Yeah. So I actually come from a real estate family. So like I cheated and took the shortcut by having the foundation already built by my parents. Um, so they started investing in real estate like 30, 35 years ago. And they started in the single family game. So that's actually how I started. And it just, you know, became a scalability thing. And so for me, I wanted to be able to scale faster. So that's when, you know, multifamily was kind of the natural next step. So what was your actual first property you got by yourself? Okay, so it was a condo in DC. And I actually bought it with my husband for us to live in. But I bought it with the idea that we would live in it for two years out of the five years that we owned it. So we didn't have, you know, we had the capital gains exemption when we sold it. So I was like, all right, we'll live here for two years and then we'll move somewhere else and we'll just kind of rinse and repeat, which is what my parents did with us growing up. Every two years, we'd move to another house. So I bought this condo with the idea of it being an investment and I still own it today and it's been more than five years and we didn't even live in it for the two years that I had planned. So it just kind of became like an investment and we'll probably 1031 it. But that was my first like, investment that I did just my husband and I. Oh, cool. So you started with this condo. How did you get into <laughs> multifamily? Yeah. So I started with the condo, bought more assets in DC, same kind of formula. And then my husband and I moved to Dallas, Texas, because DC was like ridiculously unaffordable. And so we were like, all right, we want somewhere we can have like a yard. And, you know, eventually when we have a family, we can send them to public schools. And like, that was kind of what we wanted. So we were looking at jobs in different areas. Dallas ended up shaking out. And so we moved here in um, September of 2013. We moved here and I started buying single family homes here also. And I was doing the buy, rehab and hold and then fix and flip model. And I was just, I was up to buying like five houses in a week sometimes. Like I was wow. really, really aggressive, but it was so much work. And there's only so many houses you can buy at a time. At that point, I was like, all right, we need to start looking at, you know, multifamily. And I thought the next step was like duplexes, then tenplexes and kind of like working my way up. But when I met my partner, Sapan Talati, he's my other founding partner. He was like, yeah, no, this is going to be much harder to fund. 
And, you know, he's like our financial genius. So I was like, all right, great. Like you do the numbers and I will do the rest. And so we started investing in multifamily together. And we, you know, we've done a lot of projects together since outside of multifamily as well. But multifamily has been, you know, the one that's always been the most stable that we can always kind of come back to. I mean, you know, you're you're in multifamily too, so you know why yeah. we love it as much as we do. You know, it's a very scalable model. It's easier to finance. It allows you a lot more wiggle room on your line items on your budget because when you're in a single family home and you have one vacancy, well, all of a sudden it's 100% vacant. Versus, right, you have, you're losing money. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Whereas when you have like 100 units and you have one vacant, well, you want five of them to be vacant, really. So, yeah. you know, you're operating more optimally then. That's great. And you said you've done some other asset classes too, Tim. So what are some of the other ones? You yeah, so we've done again. some, yeah, we've done new construction. I probably will never do that again. So ground up uh, development of what? Yeah, we did. Multifamily? Um, no. So actually we did custom luxury homes. Oh. It's not an asset class that I prefer. So here's the problem, right? Like when you're doing custom luxury homes, you're looking at the jumbo loan size, right? Like they're mostly a million dollars plus. The problem is, is in a down market, you don't really want to be caught holding those assets because they right. don't move and there's very few buyers for them. I mean, it's a much riskier venture for us personally than multifamily is. So that's why I don't prefer it. I've also learned, you know, some of the hard knocks lessons of contractors that maybe aren't as above board as you would hope. So, you know, we've yeah. had, um, definitely had those experiences. So I like multifamily. It's straightforward. It's very clean. There's not a whole lot of room for you know, negotiation in terms of, okay, it's like 37 versus 39% complete, you know, like it's just, um, it's much more straightforward and clean to me. I just, I prefer it a lot more. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Oh, and then we've also done some land, uh, land deals. Those are, you know, again, they're slower moving. It's a little bit different. It's not as exciting for me. And then I do invest into commercial spaces and some businesses as well. Okay. So the gamut Very really. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That's been quite a quite a range. So, yeah. Uh, but multifamily's your favorite. Yeah, that's the you know, it's the darling of my portfolio for me. Nice. So, you know, we you gotta start touching on some of the challenges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I always ask my guests, you know, what was your biggest mistake and what mm. did you learn from it? Because I we learn so much more from things oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've learned a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So where to start the mistakes that I've made? Well, okay. So I think that one of the things we've improved on a lot in multifamily specifically is kind of our process and our cadence. I think when we first started, we had too wide of a focus and we didn't really narrow down exactly what we wanted to do. And I think that's just in general, not even with multifamily specifically. And that's why, you know, I have invested into a lot of these asset classes because, you know, everything's like kind of shiny and pretty and everybody's making yeah. money, like, you know, buying notes or wholesaling or, you know, multi, like everybody was making money. And it's really, really tough, I think, to 
not be like, oh, okay, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And so it's like, you're going a mile wide and an inch deep. Instead, you want to go an inch wide and a mile deep. And so I think that was like the biggest thing that we've now kind of perfected. And I mean, I will admit, I I passively now invest into all of the pretty and shiny things. So now instead of trying to do them myself as an active investor, I'm letting somebody who has more experience in that area run with it. And I just write a check and collect my check back. Nice. Um, Okay. Yeah. I think that's probably the biggest mistake and or challenge that we've tried to overcome. So doing too much, being too broad. And then so now your focus multifamily is what you do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And like even within multifamily, like we've kind of narrowed down even more. So we do, you know, the, those solid B assets. We look for A locations. And, you know, this is the thing like everybody says, no one is not looking for this asset class, but we really stay disciplined and only go after deals that fit this asset class. And we, you know, we're very focused on our markets. Um, right now we're focused in DFW because it's home and then the Florida market. So uh, Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville is, and that's going to be more of our focus for 2019 forward. And then, you know, if we do anything in other markets like Atlanta or Memphis or Charlotte, those will be with strong operating partners who that market is their focus. What are you liking so much about Florida right now? Yeah. So I feel like Florida has a lot of runway still. It's kind of reminding me of where we were with Dallas, even like three or four years ago. Dallas is now starting to get a little bit overheated. You know, it's getting a lot of attention. There's a lot of movement here, Fortune 500, Californians, New Yorkans, everybody's kind of moving to these no income tax states. And Texas is one of them, Florida is another. So we really like the Florida markets also because there's a lot of population growth and job growth happening there. Jacksonville has kind of been like a sleeper city. I think it's starting to now get on some radars. Um, you know, it's coming off the fanny naughty list here in the next <laughs> like couple of weeks. Freddie has been transacting a lot more there as well. So we, we really like the Jacksonville market. The challenge in Jacksonville is... So it's the largest city in the country by land area. It's 845 square miles. Yeah, it's like a fun I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, this is like your bar trivia. Jacksonville <laughs> is the largest city by land area. So it's 845 square miles. So what that means is you have to really know that market because it changes like block by block there. But we're seeing a lot of movement there. And we're really excited about kind of what we're seeing. Um, Wayfair is opening a million and a half square feet warehouse there. Lowe's is moving. They're scouting a location there. So there's like a lot of solid jobs there that we look for in our fundamentals when we're going after multifamily. Nice. Okay. I like that. So I asked you about your biggest mistake. Yeah. So the next question I like to ask is what are you most proud of? I think I'm most proud of the team we've built. You know, I, we have partners that like I absolutely adore working with all of my partners bring like such a strength to the table. And I feel like it's really tough to form a partnership where there's like complete trust amongst everybody. And so we have four partners. We all have relationships with each other outside of the other partners. We all bring totally different strengths to the table and we're really good. I mean, we fight and we resolve it and we move on. And it's just a very dynamic team we built. And I think that for me is something that 
it's an intangible that not everybody gets. And I recognize that because I've had, you know, not great partners and now <laughs> I have partners that I love. And so I'm very excited about that. What do you think contributed to you being able to create that team or be part of this, this great partnership? I think all of us pretty much are very, very opinionated. And so we all bring our ideas to the table very strongly, but um, I think there's like, just like a baseline of respect between us that at the end of the day, we're all working toward the same goal. We all want the same things. And so I think the thing that all of us share that's really important is we're all really good about getting out of each other's way. And what I mean by that is, so like my partner, Pooja, for example, she is like marketing and brand strategy guru. Like she is fantastic at it. And there's like no doubt in my mind that she is absolutely the best at it. So, you know, I have an emphasis in marketing too, by way of education. So, you know, sometimes I think I know more than I actually know. (laughs) You know, we'll, we'll get on a call and I'm like, Hey, Pooja, listen, this is what I want to do. And this is why I want to do it. And she'll be like, no, you're wrong. (laughs) And then, you know, but we'll have a discussion about it. And it's an open dialogue and everybody's allowed to bring ideas to the table. And then when she's like, listen, like, I really need you to trust me on this. I'm like, okay, I'll get out of your way because this is your jam. Like, you know what you're doing here. You know, it's like all of us have enough knowledge of one other partner's field that we can be like a second set of eyes or kind of be like a you know, devil's advocate situation, but we're really good about like letting each other shine and kind of do what we do best. Yeah. What's your main role in the partnership? Yeah. So I'm like the client facing investor relations CRM. So, um, you know, I face our vendors, I face our investors and I kind of liaise between the external and internal workings of the company. So that's kind of my jam. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And to what do you attribute your success? Oh, like, I mean, I guess it's not all dumb luck, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think it's, you know, having the support of my family. It's really, really nice to be able to like call my mom or dad up and be like, hey, so this is what's happening on this property. What do I do? And you know, they understand it and they know and they can talk through it with me um, and give me, you know, feedback. And I don't have to worry about like filtering it or anything like that. So that's a really nice sounding board to have. And then also, you know, I, I have a lot of mentors. I mean, you are involved in one of the uh, sessions that I go, attend monthly where, you know, I have people that are really successful in this field and they are just like, a wealth of knowledge. And so, I mean, like I've asked you questions of how to handle difficult situations and it's reassuring having other people in those positions that can say, okay, here's what you need to do or kind of can give you like that outside perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, it's so hard sometimes. Like I remember when I was raising for our first deal, I didn't sleep for six weeks thinking that we were just not going to close this deal. And I didn't know where I was going to come up with another million dollars. And I remember thinking that so clearly. And then now every time like a new syndicator reaches out to me, I'm like, listen, this is going to be the hardest thing you ever did. You're not going to sleep for the next six weeks and you're going to think you're going to fail. But after you get over this, it gets a lot easier. Call me when you need to just like vent about it. And I get it. (laughs) I've been there and I feel like no one talks about it. And so you know, yeah. like those just you need those people that are like 
totally normal. I've been there. You'll get through it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> need those cheerleaders. You need seriously. The, <laughs> and you need the people who you can just cry to. Yes, <laughs> yes. And people who are like, okay, here's what you need to do now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or just people to tell you like, this is a totally normal thing that happens. Like this is yeah. happens to all of us. Like you're not yeah. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, especially when you're first starting and uh, you're trying to yes. raise money and nobody knows you as a money raiser yet. So Yes. Yeah, well, because you're like basically – so I had the good fortune of having a corporate background and having a family track record. So I came into this with a track record. It was easy for me to point to that. But a lot of people don't have that. And so, you know, you're borrowing from your partners and your other co-sponsors. You're borrowing their resume, but you may be asked questions that you don't know the answer to. And that's a tough situation to be in when you're first raising. Yeah. So, I mean, you remember. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, I still get questions. I was like, I'll get back to you. But I think that's an I think people need the confidence to know that that's an okay answer to yeah. say that is such a great question. Yeah. I'm going to talk to my partner. I'm going to get back to you. Like, I'm going to find that answer and get back to you shortly. Right? Like, I that's know. okay. People, that's exactly okay. it. Okay with that. I mean, my yeah. poor partners, I just throw them right under the bus when I need to. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's totally my partner's field. Let me talk to him or her and I'll get back to you. And yeah. that's actually okay. okay. You're, yeah, you're not going to know every question to everything until you've been doing this like so long that it's basically you can do this in your sleep. So it's an acceptable answer. Hey, I'm not really sure. I don't want to give you inaccurate information. I'll get back to you. And then actually get back to them. Follow up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the good. important part. That yeah. That's the important part. But people will respect that. I don't think yes. they expect you to know everything. And But when you when you're starting, you feel like, oh, my God, I should know every answer. Yeah. Punched in and Otherwise, Absolutely. they're never going to trust me. But I think they trust you when you say, I'm not sure, know. but I'm going to, yeah. but I know where to get that information. <laughs> I'll be right back. You know, that's exactly yeah. it. Well, yeah. and I think too, you know, as a capital raiser, I think one of the, the harder things when you're first, when you're first raising capital is you have investors that ask you questions that you sometimes are like not even expecting. Like even to this day, I have questions sometimes that I've never, ever been asked. And now because I've been doing this so long, I typically know the answer. Or I can kind of formulate the answer on my toes. But what I usually do or what I'll ask investors sometimes if they're asking me something and I'm, it's not something that's typical or if they're starting to kind of go down a rabbit hole, I'll always ask them why they're asking me that. And that's like maybe like a little nugget of information that took me a while to kind of learn through trial yeah. and error. But so for example, cap rates, like that is one that investors love to talk about is like, why is the cap rate on this four and a half or five and a half or whatever it is, I can get a 10 cap with a 10% cash on cash on, you know, this other project I'm looking at. So at first I was like, well, how do I respond to that? But now, now that I've done this a lot, my response to that is, okay, 10 caps, let's talk about what a cap rate is and let's talk about why we care about the cap rate, right? So I always direct it back to them and ask them, why do you care about the cap rate? What is it that you're looking for? Are you looking to compare two different deals? Are you looking to compare the market and the stability of the market? Are you looking to compare for overpaying for the asset? And there's a variety of cap rates. There's not just your going in cap, right? Like there's yeah. the 
seller's exit cap, there's your going in cap, there's your operating cap, there's your exit cap, there's your your reversion yeah. cap. So and it's like cap rates can be a little bit more art than science sometimes too, right? Oh, well, and so that's exactly it. So like when we first underwrite, we always set the ingoing and outgoing cap rate equal with no movement. And we do that because we want to do an apples to apples comparison. And then, you know, obviously to add like to be conservative, we adjust and typically 10 basis points per year of plant hold is kind of the rule of thumb. But then, so for example, I have an investor that sent me an email recently and said, hey, you only adjusted 50 basis points up on your exit cap. Well, historically in this market, cap rates have remained flat for the last five years. They're probably not moving. And we're going in at a five and a half cap. The market's at a four nine. So we're already going in above where everybody else is going in right now, number one. And he wants us to move at 150 basis points over a five-year hold. And it's just not going to happen. I mean, maybe it will. It's always possible, but better be conservative. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so we'll do a sensitivity analysis to see what happens in those scenarios. But so what I always do is I always direct it back to them and ask them, why are you, why are you asking this question? What are you trying to find? Because a lot of times they don't really know why they're asking about cap rates. So I always ask why, and then when I understand why, I can kind of direct them a little bit better. So when they start comparing like a 10 cap, I, you know, I always kind of push back with, okay, so you're getting that in like Boise, Idaho or wherever. I mean, it's not, it's not going to typically be your like DFW, Charlotte, Memphis, Atlanta. It's not going to be those markets and, or it's not going to be the B assets in those markets more specifically. Yeah. So I always C, say C minus. Yeah, yeah, right. It's going to be those like C minus, maybe those even D assets, or it's going to be in like tertiary markets or markets that you don't necessarily want to be invested into when there's a market correction or market downfall. It depends on your personal risk portfolio. And so that's always kind of my feedback is like, look, if you're finding a 10 cap in Orlando or DFW or Jacksonville on a B asset, like send me that project because I want to invest into that too. Like I'll put my money in, but it's, you know, it's never an apples to apples comparison. And so it's like really helping your investor understand. And it's an important educational piece because then they understand how you're looking at deals and kind of what deals they can expect to see from you in the future. Yeah. So good. That's, Super great advice. I was going to say, like, more information about cap rates than you ever wanted to discuss. No, but it's important because that is something. And so just for, like, for the sake of no goddess left behind, yeah. like, the cap rate, this, explain what the cap rate means. Yeah, so the cap rate is your capitalization rate. So basically what you're doing is you're taking the NOI of the asset and dividing it by the market value to see how quickly you're recapturing the price of the asset, essentially. Basically your return on investment. Exactly, yeah, yeah. your return yeah, your on investment. Your return on investment yes. for the Yes, yeah. So that's the cap rate. And then when they're looking at cap rates in the market, they're looking at, you know, what is the typical in that market for that type of asset. Yep. So just to explain for people like, what is a cap rate? (laughs) I don't know. Because I did not know what a cap rate was four years ago. I've never heard that term. Well, once you get started in capital raising, you will know everything there is to know about cap rates because you will get asked that question. (laughs) I want to know about cap rates. Yes. Yes. 
there's a lot to know about cap rates. And even then, I don't actually like to look at cap rates very much. I mean, we use it as kind of like a quick rule of thumb, but it's not something we don't typically focus on that as much as like, I think most investors, like passive investors focus on it. Like it's one of like a thousand metrics we take into consideration. So it's never like a really big focus for us. We care more about where can we operate it and where can we exit. Yeah. So there you go. So I have a question. What advice do you have for a woman who's just starting out in this field? Oh gosh, I always get asked that. And I'm always like, well, I want to tell them everything that I've learned <laughs> over the last several years. I think for, at least for me, the one thing I will say is like, well, okay, two things. So number one is find the right partners and partner with them. Um, you know, you and I, we partner with other people all the time. We partner yes. with new investors all the time. You know, somebody took us under their wing and we pay it forward. And, you know, there's not very many women in this space. And so, I mean, I know you and I get excited when we meet other women <laughs> that are just like killing it in their field. And so, you know, if you're especially if you're a woman and you're a young woman looking to break into this, or maybe you're looking for a career change, or maybe, you know, your kids are grown and you're ready to get back into the workforce. And this seems like something you're interested in. Reach out to people that are in the space. We are typically very happy to like help. And I feel like all the women I've met in this space are so helpful and so knowledgeable and, you know, they can really help maneuver around like certain challenges that women particularly face in this space. So that's number one, find a partner, mentor, and go with it. And then the second thing is like, do not fall into analysis paralysis, because I know it's easy to get into that space. And, yeah. you know, it seems overwhelming. And when you're talking about like a $10 million deal, it feels like, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to do this? But be confident, you know, like men walk into a room and oh, so like, have you read that study where like 70% of men will apply for a job that they're not even qualified for because they yes. think they want it. And like women, it's what is it like 20 or 10% do it's much less. Right. Yeah. They feel like they need to click every, every like, single every box. box. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I think that being a woman in this space is actually very powerful. If you might be the only woman in this room, and it's, it's a powerful thing, because you have the ability to control a conversation, because you bring something new to the table. You know, you're kind of somebody that people aren't used to seeing that face, so you'll be more memorable. And so there's a lot of strength in that. And, you know, just embrace that and be confident and just go forward and do it. That's great advice. And lastly, before we get into the eternity, what do you wish yes. you'd known at the beginning that you now know? <sighs> oh, gosh, everything. I mean, <laughs> I, so like the more I know, the more I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. It's like the more you learn, the more you realize there is to learn. It's like that. Yeah. Space. Um, so I think the maybe like the biggest thing for me would have been actually spending time investing into processes up front probably would have 
saved me a lot of time along the way and allowed us to kind of grow a little bit faster. So I think like investing in time into putting those processes into place probably would have helped early on like business processes and systems. Yes. Yes. Business processes and systems. I wish if I could go back, I would redo that right from the beginning. Instead of trying to do some of them now, it's really tough. Yeah. It's so important to remember that real estate investing is a business. And the more you can think about it that way and set it up that way from the start. Yes. By far. Yes. (laughs) Agreed. Amen. That's really great. Okay. So before we get into the Trinity, what is the best way for ladies to reach out to you and find out more about what you do? Yeah, so I actually look at all of our submissions on our website, enzomultifamily.com. There's a button that says retire in luxury or schedule a call. If you press either one of those, our admin will get you on a call and we'll, you know, set something up so we can talk and, you know, we can talk about, it's basically like a 45 minute to an hour conversation where, you know, you can ask me what questions you have, or if you want to maybe partner on something, or if you're looking at something that you think we would want to partner on or invest into, you know, we run the gamut. It's kind of a free for all at that moment. So enzomultifamily.com. All right. And that's Enzo, E-N-Z-O. Yes. Um, Multifamily. <laughs> all right. Awesome. So it's time for our famed end of show, Trinity, which yes. is our brag, our gratitude, <laughs> and a desire. All right. What thing you're celebrating right now? What's your brand? Okay. So we are under contract on one and about to be two more deals in Jacksonville. And I just put out an LOI today for another one in Orlando. And I'm sending one more at the end of this week for another Jacksonville deal. So we have a lot of deals in the pipeline, which I feel like we waited so long to kind of get more deals in the pipeline. And now it's finally here. Awesome. Well bragged. So what's yes. your, what are you grateful for? Ah, grateful. Um, so I'm grateful for my family and grateful for my partners. Um, you know, I just have a lot of really great people in my life. And I think that, you know, people, what is it like Susie Orman says people first, things second or money second or something. I totally think that that is right on. And I just have a lot of really great relationships in my life. And, you know, I'm lucky. Yeah, beautiful. And last but not least, what's one thing you desire? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I mean, I desire a lot of things. <laughs> this is like a really difficult question to pinpoint. I would love to achieve better work-life balance, which is kind of a goal for 2019. Right. Um, so I would love to have more time that I truly am present and dedicate to my family when I'm with them and just kind of stepping away from work for a little bit. Yeah, I hear you. It's hard. <laughs> it be. Yeah, so, when it's your your business, it can be twenty four seven sometimes. Yeah. Well, it doesn't feel like work when you love what you do, so it's hard. I know. I know. <laughs> well, so shall your desire be, or so yes. much better than you can imagine. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. This was awesome. Again, so much for fun. you guys who wanted connect with Vina, you can find her at enzomultifamily.com. Connect with me, go to reigoddesses.com. And there you can join our community of women from all over the world who are doing real estate and get lots of goodies, all their fun stuff. So reigoddesses.com and subscribe and join us next time for another 
badass real estate investor goddess interview. <laughs> Bye-bye.